Hello and welcome to Jackie Arnold Speaks the Truth about coaching and supervision. In this podcast series, Jackie discusses the power of coaching and supervision for leaders in the workplace and healthcare professionals. Jackie brings a wealth of international experience to coaching and supervision. She is a cross-cultural expert and leadership coach with a focus on building strong relationships. Having travelled and lived abroad, set up and run three language schools and worked for the BBC as a producer and broadcaster, she now runs Coach for Executives. She's an active member of the ICF, AC, AOCS and CSA and is a key associate of Advance HE, introducing coaching and supervision into universities throughout the UK as well as running coach training programmes for healthcare professionals. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hi, welcome everyone to today's episode where we're talking about the power of coaching for all those impacted by cancer. Today we've got an inspiring guest on the show, Aga Kehind. Aga, thanks so much for joining us today. And for those of you who don't know Aga, uh, Aga's a former clinical nurse and lead for acute oncology services and is currently cancer educator and coach for the NHS Leadership Academy. So, Aga, tell us a bit more about your background and how you got to where you are now. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me for this podcast, to this podcast. I, um, yes, so you've summed up very well. I have been a clinical nurse specialist for the last 20 years and taking role of educator um, within the NHS services in the last seven years. So I've been um, working with cancer um, patients and healthcare professionals who work cancer patients um, for many, many years. And um, yes, about two years ago, I moved into um, another space, which is uh, uh, coaching and, um, and started to coach in cancer straight away. And I coach both patients and the healthcare professionals as well, um, but all around um, the health and well-being and um, all around cancer. Great. And uh, you're a volunteer coach for the Fountain Centre in Guildford. How did that come about? Um, yes, I am. Actually, I was really, really lucky because I started my um, trainee scheme um, in the Fountain Centre. So, um, as you know, and many coaches know that when you um, go on the training, you need to start coaching as soon as possible. And I was really lucky because I had very good relationship with Fountain Centre already as being a clinical nurse in that space for many years. Um, they invited me to be a trainee coach for them. So I started to coach um, um, staff at first um, very quickly and then moved into, into a patient with a um, very quick space of time as well. Excellent. And how did you go from being a healthcare professional to a coach? So what, what, what was your impetus for that? So um, for me, the, um, I wanted to become a coach first um, for my clinical role. So I wanted to coach my staff that I've been working with. Um, but very quickly that moved into um, coaching the patients because um, I've, I've recognized that um, this is what I always wanted to do. And it's, it's just completely different relationship. And, and that's how I moved on from coaching NHS staff into, into coaching the patients, what I've been doing anyway for many, many years, but in a slightly different angle. Can you describe how coaching works exactly in this space? Right. So um, 
I can tell you a little bit about what what happened to me and what I realized that was the bigger biggest difference. Mm. I, when I started to coaching um, patients, especially, I I've all of a sudden I realized that I have to move from the from the role of a teacher and and taking my hat of healthcare professional who has a lot of expertise and a lot of knowledge and is just telling people what to do and how to do it, <laughs> which was absolutely amazing feeling for many years. And I really fed off that for many, many years. I love that. Um, to all of a sudden, to a role of a coach who is, in, in, my, in my view, the primary role is to create the space of, for reflection and learning. So it's like giving that powers away into into someone else was was very eye-opening to me and how do you manage that Mm, yes it was it was quite difficult I managed that through a lot of supervision a lot of reflection myself Mm -hmm. I I I become aware of of my own beliefs and emotions as well um within that space of 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 coaching with with my clients with my patients and so uh, it, it was it was more about learning about myself to, to be honest, mm-hmm. learning about what what my triggers, you know, when I when I get into that space, what's happening to me, and really deeply reflecting on that, and then bringing that into supervision, which I feel in 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 any coaching space is really important, but in particular in that one, because it's not only believes that I'm in different role now. So who am I? Am I a nurse here? Am I an mm. educator or am I a coach? Um, and noticing this throughout the. The coaching sessions and then learning from it a lot of reflecting work yes and how do you think supervision has shaped you right so supervision allowed me to become honest with myself hmm. so i reflected of my triggers take the notes right after session and then bring that into supervision and and when you have a good supervisor they they make sure that you're looking at this aspect from many angles with many different hats. They take in consideration who you are with, with all sorts of different hats that you're putting on um, throughout your experiences and bringing that all together and allowing you to, um, to kind of shape yourself into the direction that you wanted to be. And how does that impact on the way that you coach, do you think? Oh, massively. Um, I, within the last two years of become a coach, I've learned so much about myself and so much about what I believe, especially about um, cancer, especially about um, what it means to me. And, um, and, and supervision allow me to um, become more tuned in coach. So, so I am I'm, I'm aware of what's happening to me and I'm able to, remove that or process at the spot or why I'm coaching which is which is absolutely amazing um thing to do and also I feel more I um coach than um more difficult um beliefs and emotions are coming up to the surface so I need more supervision uh, if that make any sense so it, it, mm. it doesn't reduce actually it increases with um with with more complicated and complex cases coming my way now. 
Yes, yes. And I think, you know, because of that, you, you, you need, desperately need supervision all the time when we're in this space. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, mm. I, would, uh, I would say that I need more supervision now, more um, experienced than, than before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the, the supervision changes as well. So from very um, practical stuff that I've been um, kind of reflecting at the, at the beginning now into, into a little bit more, um, you know, meaningful um, stuff like my beliefs and um, and mm. emotional states and how do you manage the coaching sessions when they become quite emotional because I think that's something that quite a lot of coaches feel a little bit fearful of how do you manage other people's emotions right so um, I'm very lucky because I um, apart from having a coaching training I also have um, um, have a EFT, so emotional freedom technique, which I use within the coaching space a lot. So that is a soothing mm-hmm. technique for for emotional um, states. I also um, train as an NLP practitioner. So there's a few techniques that I would use. But what I would say is um, creating a space without feeling that you need to interfere with um uh, with particular emotion is a, is a big thing for me so th- mm. this is the huge difference between me as a nurse and me as a coach so in my nursing training i i always felt the edge of um helping at the spot and giving advice and soothing while in my coaching mm. space i feel there is a lot of the, the, there is a big learning within that emotion that you're going through now so i'm just going to give you time and the space that you can process it in your way great yes and i think that in your way is very powerful isn't it because it's their way not our way that's right so not not bringing what i and and that's quite difficult when you when you coming into the coaching space from the healthcare professional point of view we are fixers we we want to make people better very quickly (laughs) (laughs) and um and, and the coaching space is all about stepping away from that mindset Yes, yes, that's absolutely right. So what do you see are the main benefits for coaching in this space then, Aga? It's exactly this. It's exactly learning about myself. What are my beliefs about the um, the, the particular conditions that people are um, having or the, the difficult time that they're going through and enabling them to um to be empowered, empowering people almost. I don't like using that phrase, empowering people, because it's, it's, it's still me empowering them. It's not that. It's creating the reflective space for individuals to, to at the end, feel empowered to, to take care of themselves. That's, that's, for me, the aim is of the coaching in that space. Yes, so it's empowerment, behavior change, etc. yes? That's exactly it. You got it right with perfect English there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and do you think there's a better patient experience there as well do they do they have a better patient experience because of the coaching so i can only say from my um uh, my my personal experience through working with with patients so um i as you said before i have been in the clinical role um so before i kind of parted from my clinical role i i've been having the coaching training and I changed my approach to having the conversation with patients. So I, I used to hold the chemotherapy hotline for patients and it was a lot about telling people what to do. And I remember when I was going through the coaching training, I, I just slightly tweaked my conversations to be a little bit more empowering conversation, a little bit meaningful to changing the 
the angle of elicit what is what's important to patients and um, there was a significant difference of uptake of the actions um, after I had a feeling and and when I spoke to patients afterwards a few times they they felt like decisions is up to them and they felt really empowered so I can say from my personal experience yes it does have a big impact on on patient experience Great. And they, those are very good examples as well. And what about when people want to return to work? How does how does that how does coaching help that? Um, so in returning to work, I feel coaching's got a place in terms of um, we we are not telling people what to do. Um, they know mm. what they want. And it's, it's almost like working around that what's important for them. They have the power to assess their well-being and the amount of um, energy that they want to spend and being able to step away from from my assumptions and from my um, um, my beliefs about what's good and what's bad it's very very important so so then whoever returns to work it's it's their plan yes yes and do you help them to plan I provide that space mm-hmm. of them then to be able to plan. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm reflecting. I, I uh, tell them what I see. Um, quite often it's something from different point of view that may just highlight or put the spotlight on something that they haven't think about before. Mm. Um, but yes, definitely. So it's, it's helping people to think in different ways. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I think that's the essence of coaching. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And so, Aga, what, what, if any, are the current limitations when it comes to accessing coaching in this space, in your view? Um, yes, there is, the, the, there is not many people coaching in this space at the moment. And um, I think there's a lot of coaches who would like to enter that space, but they, they, may, we may not feel safe and the boundaries need to be um, established very well. Um, mm. But just giving, giving from from um, from the hospital that I work with, there is not there is no directive of of the coaches for the healthcare professionals um, to kind of sign into it. But for patients, um, yes, we we need to we need to spread the word that there is a space for coaching. Yeah, and how do you think we might do that? What what more can we do? That's a really good question. Um, from my point of view, I um, I talk. And, and I'm in a really good position. I'm in the I'm in in the education position. So I, um, when I run cancer awareness courses, I talk about um, coaching as one of the effective way for patients to um, take care of that emotional and psychological well-being. Um, so I, I suppose there is a there is a um, room for NHS to look a little bit closer onto that form of help for patients. And and how can people get access to the uh, Fountain Center, or for indeed for any of these resources you're talking about? Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the Fountain Center, um, we um, we provide all the information for every single patient that comes through the Cancer Center. So, Fountain Center is one of the main. Um, centers in terms of the psychological and emotional support for cancer patients at Royal Surrey Hospital. So all CNSs know what, um, so clinical nurse specialists, they all know what services we provide and they will refer patients. So is the information giving, uh, but also the assessment of um, um, of needs of the patients and then referring patients to the, into the right places. 
And and how many people on sort of taking up the coaching? Do you think? Well, that's the that's the good question. I I think for the last five years we have more than eight hundred people taking the coaching um, as a form of help through wow. the Fountain Centre. That's very very good. That's a great uptake. And are there any other centres around um, that you know of that people can access? Not that I know of in terms of the coaching um, and and yes, coaching in cancer. No. Mm, okay and so for, for you Aga just you know to reflect on all of this what do you think the future of coaching looks like in this space in this cancer arena and also for for other health issues I think there's a big space um in coaching um for coaching in in the health and well-being space um and not only in in cancer as you mentioned but any other long-term um, or life-changing conditions mm-hmm. um, and it's just because we're working in slightly slightly different way to already existing psychological and emotional support um, and it's, it's, it's that when we're moving forward try to move from um, to, to, to thriving from um, from the space that we we own at the moment so so there is a there is a big big space that needs to be filled in yes absolutely and 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 you you talked about it improving well-being so in your opinion how can how can coaching enable people to be well to live well after cancer or after a serious illness yes so um it's utilizing the the already it's utilizing existing abilities of of human beings that they Mm. may have lost throughout their quite chaotic state and chaotic time so so for me it's about bringing that abilities back into the picture right and then that patients can navigate themselves through it and then being able to to use what they have already um into the future yeah so it's it's utilizing the things you're saying that they might have forgotten during the process and bringing back their strengths and their own abilities and showing them that way is that right that's right yes exactly yes <laughs> and and Anika, is there anything else that you'd like to add from your own experience almost like a case study or something that you feel would be really beneficial to those listening um Yes, yes. I, um, I, I've been working recently with um, um, absolutely lovely lady who we had quite a long relationship and we've, we've worked through almost like two sets of, of coaching um, times together. And I, I we kind of work from the moment of, of her being diagnosed to um, the very end when she's cancer free now. And we've been working through many different um, areas on her life and kind of... Her, she, she was she was going through those chaotic periods of time with a lot of issues and she was she was working very well um, but the biggest challenge that she found was actually right at the end mm. when she 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 suffered she was she's cancer free at the moment and she was suffering with um some side effects some long term side effects and um although she looked well and everybody around were telling her how well she looks and how lucky she is that she is cancer free now she didn't feel it like that what she felt was increasing the pressure and anxiety around 
she can't speak to anyone about her long-term side effects because everybody expects her to be well. She doesn't mm. want to speak to anyone in case if she um, will come across as needy. She didn't want to go into any support groups because she felt like she's not ill enough. Being, she found herself in a really lonely space and um, she brought that into the into the coaching session which I felt um, before that will be our closing session and she brought this this in and and it really it really kind of took me a little bit back and I, I, I didn't know how to how to respond to all this but what we did was just creating a space and a little bit of reflection around what will that do to her in the long term if she will stay in that space of mind and she very quickly realized that you know the anxiety levels and the stress that she has with this is it actually could be quite detrimental to her health and who knows what may happen in the future her body may you know kind of reverse into in into whatever she was suffering from before it was very very revealing so she she put a stop into it and she said well actually i do need some help and she was very well um by, by realizing that but raising awareness of what it may happen to her in the future she made really clear and lovely plan of to how she's going to take that forward she came back um in a couple of weeks to the session of reflective session and she said that it changed her mind changed her life completely she's a different person she's able to reach out for help she she speaks clearly about her needs and it was really really helpful so i feel coaching in in especially in 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 that place when we're almost ready to to move but yet we we found a little bit of difficult is uh, is amazing it really can be life-changing oh that's great there's a lovely example like so thank you very very much for joining us today and those of you listening there are links to everything that's been mentioned in today's episode in the comment sheet so thank you very much Aga. it was and a look pleasure forward to speaking to you soon thank you it was a pleasure thank you so much for having me Welcome to the next in this podcast series on creative coaching and mentoring. I'm delighted to be talking about the tools and techniques that I've learned over the years. Even when working remotely, I find introducing creative techniques really helps to unblock my clients and give them different perspectives. In 2014, I developed specific communication cards for both facilitation and my own coaching and mentoring practice. These pictures are images to evoke ideas and to stimulate imagination. For example, when clients are blocked, I often ask them to choose, or sometimes to draw, a picture to represent the block. And there are pictures of a brick wall, a locked gate and an empty bench, for example. And then I ask them to choose a picture to represent when they are unblocked or in a position of choice. And after they've chosen the two pictures and described their significance, I then coach them to develop the strategies to move closer to their desired outcome. When working with pictures, there's often useful metaphors that arise for us to develop. For example, one of the pictures is a closed gate. And often clients will say, I just can't get the gate to open. Or the gate is locked and I feel there's no way through. So I use a method called clean language to explore how they might get that gate open and find a way through. Just to give you an idea of what clean language is, it evolved into a process called symbolic modelling, which was developed by Penny Tompkins and James Lawley, 
which uses the simple questions to engage the clients in developing their metaphors that describe their own experience. And having a similar premise to appreciative inquiry, the questions naturally encourage the client to consider alternatives to the problem or situation, and then they focus on their desired outcome. So clean language also ensures facilitators stand back from any assumptions they might have, which is why I love it, actually. Towards the natural patterns and logic in the client's description, so their language and their worldview is represented rather than that of the facilitator. All the questions developed for clean language by David Grove are preceded by and, and there's a reason for this. If you think about stories, we often talk about stories with and then, and then, and so it continuous is a, it's, it's a continuous stream of consciousness. Questions are also asked in a slower tone of voice to enable thought to flow naturally. And the following questions are often used and we insert the actual words of the client in the blanks. So for example, and what kind of is that? So I might ask the person who was blocked and had chosen the gate that was locked, what kind of move forward is that when the gate is shut? The client has asked me as their desired outcome to move forward, so I repeat their phrase. And then I ask, and is there anything else about moving forward? And is there anything else? And I might ask, and when you want to move forward like that, what needs to happen next? And this gets them to keep in their own train of thought as they're speaking. It means that they stay in their own mindset rather than me interfering with my language and disturbing their train of thought. Then I pause for them to reflect and wait for them to find a way or describe what they feel may be their next step. This piece of pausing and silence is really important in this process. People need to have time to think, time to see if they can find a way through rather than us trying to force our way on them. And actually, using these creative techniques and seeing pictures in front of them or creating a metaphor of their own often helps to release creative thoughts and ideas for them. They can then move past the block or the limiting belief. So if you're interested in finding out more about books and workshops on clean language, you can have a look at Judy Reese and Wendy O'Sullivan's book on clean language or Metaphors in Mind, written by James Lawley and Penny Tompkins. I've also written a couple of books using clean language, um, Coaching Supervision at its Best and Get That Job with NLP. There are other techniques you can use, such as visualisation and a flag in the sand. These are two techniques that I use quite often. As you may know, all sports professionals use visualisation to prepare for big events. And this enables them to really see in their mind's eye how well they'll achieve the results they're looking for. Working with visualisation can really unlock thinking. Here's an example. I had a client who was recovering from cancer and she had just finished treatment and was unsure about how to ask her boss for reduced hours 
and some time off for hospital appointments. So she came to me for a bit of coaching. I knew she was very visual, so I suggested we do some visualisation of her conversation with her boss. First of all, we established her desired outcome by asking clean questions as before, and I asked her what would you like to have happen at this meeting? And then I suggested she visualise the room and her boss and having the desired outcome in her mind. Ready to notice the colours of the surroundings, the sound of her boss's voice, the words and phrases she would ask. And then we moved to visualising her success and how easy the conversation had gone. After this visualisation, she felt freer and she said to me that she could envisage how the conversation might go, whereas before she had had a block. And she wrote down some of the key phrases she wanted to remember and was much easier in her mind about the meeting. Another method I use is called flag in the sand. And it's as it says, really, you stick a flag in the sand as to where you want your outcome to be. And then I walk with the client physically to a place where they've achieved their desired outcome and we put the flag in the sand. Then I encourage the client to describe it as if it had already happened. So I'll give you an example. I was coaching a chap who was very fearful of speaking at meetings or in public. And he wanted promotion to a more responsible role, but he knew he needed to be able to get over his fears. After mentoring him and giving him some tips and tools and advice, I moved to coaching, where I knew that he had the answers within him. And I invited him to identify a place in the room where he felt the most confident and where he could use some of the techniques we've discussed. Then... When he walked to the place in the room where he felt confident, I suggested that he imagined that he'd already spoken to a meeting and had been really successful and made his points clearly. And I invited him to vividly describe this process and how he felt having achieved this desired outcome. And also what others were saying around him and how that made him feel. And after this process, I invited him to return to the starting point and imagine the small steps he could take to get where he planted the flag in the sand to indicate his success. All of these techniques above can be used to support clients to think creatively and to unblock areas of concern or belief. If you need any further information, please follow the links below. I'd be very happy to support you. Or you can go to my website www.coachforexecutives.com and the four is a number four. So it's coachnumber4executives.com. I look forward to speaking to you soon. Bye bye.